Hi, this is Malia Warner. Welcome to Power Principles, the podcast. This is episode nine, The Power of a Playful Marriage. Hi, friends. This is the week. The mom's class at the American Fork Library starts this Thursday, March 21st, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. in the Gardner Room. This is the class I wish I'd had when my kids were little. Something that I could do, somewhere I could go with my kids, where I could learn something, engage in intellectual discussion, and get training for my job. My husband would always go on business trainings for his work, but where did I get business training for my mothering job? So this class is training, business training for your mothering work. Come get mom training, bring your kids, We're going to discuss the physical, mental, emotional work of mothering, how to be prepared for the physical changes of becoming a mother. We're going to discuss how to prevent, recognize, heal through postpartum depression, anxiety, how to stay healthy physically, mentally, emotionally, and a lot more topics pertaining specifically to the work of mothering. I am so excited to meet you local moms and to have some really amazing discussions and to learn so much from each other. Yes, bring your children, bring your beautiful babies. I promise I will try not to get distracted by your adorable little ones and focus on teaching, but I also won't mind if you want me to hold your baby. You can go to maliawarner.com forward slash classes and everything is listed there under American Fork Moms Club. So share this information with a mom that you know. Today's episode is The Power of a Playful Marriage. This is a great episode. I know I say that about almost all of them, but this time I really mean it. This is a great episode because I know that there is so much disconnect and discontent in marriage. My college daughter is home for spring break, and yesterday she asked me, what was it like when you were first married? She has just seen several of her cousins get engaged and be married be newly wed, and I love that she's thinking about it and asking and preparing herself for what that will be like. And what I tried to put into words for her is, how can you say that you are happily married and yet at the same time there's challenges and places of discontent and dissatisfaction and places where you feel like you're bumping up against your spouse and you're rubbing each other the wrong way? And then you start to question if you have a good marriage or if you should even be married because you're having these disagreements and these conflicts and these disconnections. And you become aware that marriage isn't the fairy tale, the Prince Charming and the princess, that everything is happily ever after all the time. And I think this is a good thing. Marriage and family is the great laboratory of life. Marriage is a place where some of the most intense personal growing and improving and progress can occur. I hope that these past few episodes about the power of permission and especially the power of play have been helpful to you because they are exactly what I have needed right now in my life and in my marriage. And I didn't even plan that. I didn't know it was going to happen. Before the beginning of the year, I set a goal to podcast every week. I had no way of knowing if anyone else outside of my parents and my sisters would actually listen to the podcast. What I didn't expect, what I couldn't predict is how good this podcast would be for me. So I just want to encourage anybody who is thinking of starting something or pursuing some kind of an endeavor to go for it. Don't worry about if it's going to become big or if you'll be famous or if people will even see or hear or know about it. Because whenever you set a goal or work towards an endeavor, who you become in the process is the real reward. 
And lately I seem to be getting a lot of opportunities to test if I'm going to put into practice my podcast preachings. So I'm going to start today with a story that is a perfect illustration of how I keep having circumstances manifest in my life that allow me to put into applications the things that I'm talking about on this podcast. So this past weekend, I went on a getaway. Last episode, I talked about the power of getting away, having a change of scenery for beating the winter blues. So my husband had a business trip scheduled in Seattle, and I got an airline ticket and tagged along. And I will tell you, my brain wanted to sabotage the whole trip. My brain was firing off thoughts about how I didn't deserve this vacation, how we could have used the money from my airline ticket for something in the house, how my husband really talked me into this one. I didn't even really want to go that much because if this was my winter getaway, I would have rather gone somewhere sunny instead of going to Seattle where it's never sunny. And so basically I was just wasting my winter getaway and maybe I should have just planned a writer's retreat all by myself somewhere sunny. Now, saying these thoughts out loud makes me feel embarrassed because it makes me sound whiny and complaining and ungrateful. But just because these thoughts appeared in my mind does not mean that that's what I, the real me, really thinks or feels. I'm learning to recognize mental sabotage. I'm learning that the hundreds of thoughts that come up in my brain about any given situation are just thoughts. They're options, they're possibilities, but they aren't real yet. And here's where I can put into practice all these podcast preachings. I decide which thoughts to plant and nourish and fertilize. I decide what I want. Do I want my trip to Seattle to be a waste of money? Because if I spend three days catering to thoughts of how much I don't deserve a vacation and fretting over every dollar we spend eating out, then it will be a waste of money. But that thought isn't true. It's just a possibility. Who says I don't deserve a vacation? Who says I have to deserve a vacation? Are vacations merit-based and I have to prove to some all-powerful universal vacation judge that I earned a winter getaway? No, that doesn't even exist. There is no such thing as an outside all-powerful universal vacation judge that determines when someone earns a vacation. There is no outside judge who determines the best way that I get to spend my time, my money, my resources. It's my choice. I decide. And what I've decided is that happiness is a priority to me and that my marriage is a priority And that one-on-one time with my husband is a priority. And because we're intelligent, capable people, we've learned that because January, February, and March can be a bit of downer months, that they're also the ideal timing for a marriage getaway. And I come back from these getaways recharged and happier, at least after that initial first day of vacation letdown, because vacation letdown is a real thing too. And I always have a bit of vacation letdown, but it is worth it. So a winter getaway, it energizes our marriage, mostly because we've had the opportunity to talk and to connect and to dream together and to be playful. I believe that relationships don't exist. I believe relationships are created. They are built on a foundation of communication and shared experiences. And traveling together provides a lot of opportunities for conversation and creating shared memories. So having just finished podcasts about permission to be happy and permission to play and 
power of play to beat the winter blues, all those helped me to be on top of those sabotaging thoughts, to send them packing and replace them with thoughts of truth, the truth about what I want my life to be, the truth about the life my husband and I want to create together. We have a saying in our marriage that we aren't interested in having the riches of life, but that we want to enjoy the richness of life. And so all through the weekend, I continued to choose thoughts about enjoying the richness of the experience of giving myself permission to be happy in the moment and giving myself permission to play. And when we got back from Seattle, my daughter is home from college on spring break while my other kids are still in school. And again, my brain is trying to tell me, you can't play with your daughter. You've just been on vacation. You have work to do. You need to clean the house, blah, blah, blah. You need to get caught up on your bills, all of this. And once again, I'm telling my brain, it's okay. I have time for both. I have time to get my work done and I have time to play with my daughter. And yesterday we went up cross-country skiing and it was really fun. It was so nice to be together and just ski by each other and talk and talk and talk about marriage and talk about college and talk about life and to deepen our relationship by building it on a foundation of communication and shared experiences. So once again, this principle of giving myself permission to play is helping me to have a richer life experience. And I had a lot of fun playing with my daughter and I got a lot of work done yesterday too. It's pretty cool how that works out. So today talking about the power of a playful marriage, we've already covered the first principle you were learning and you didn't even know it. The very first principle, and I'm not even gonna call it the first principle, I'm gonna call it the umbrella principle. It's really the umbrella principle of life. And anything that you want to do to improve your marriage, to be happier and more playful in your marriage is going to fall under this umbrella. So the umbrella principle is to challenge your brain. Question your thoughts. When a thought pops in your head, ask, who says so? Who is the all universal vacation judge that says that? And you'll find often that it's not true. It doesn't exist. Ask yourself, do I want that thought to be true? Who does that thought benefit in the long run? If I allow that thought to persist in my life, what is the outcome going to be? And do I want that outcome? And if not, kapow, out goes the thought. Consider this. The number one impediment to any happy marriage is in your own head. This is absolutely true. It's not in your circumstances. It's not in your job, in your kids, in your in-laws, or in your spouse's head. Now, I am not saying that you can think your way out of an abusive marriage. There may be times when you do need to leave a situation. But for the most part, marriage is a mindset And the brain sabotages marriage. I know, it's crazy. Why would it do that? That is another class topic. But in short, let me summarize by saying that it comes down to the ego part of our brain. And the ego loves to be a victim. The ego actually seeks misery. Your ego wants to prove that your life is unfair, that you aren't good enough, that you aren't deserving or worthy of good things, that you aren't deserving of happiness, and that everything always goes bad for you. The ego feeds on this drama and misery, and the ego is constantly sending self-defeating, self-limiting, and self-sabotaging thoughts to your brain. Here's a hint. 
In the scriptures, another name for the ego is the natural man. And in order to find true salvation in life, we must learn to overcome the natural man or the ego. The great work of our life is to recognize and outsmart egoistic sabotage, especially if we want to have a happy marriage. So the main principle here, challenge your brain, question your thoughts. Here's a quick example. A few Friday nights ago, we were going out on a date night. We were going out to dinner. So Mr. Warner had chosen a restaurant and we drive up to it and it's Wallabies. It's newly opened in American Fork. And I start having these thoughts. Oh, another barbecue place. We had barbecue last week and I've heard that Wallabies isn't that good. There probably won't be anything gluten-free. He's just choosing what he wants. He's not thinking about me. He never thinks about me. He never thinks about what I might want. I'm sure no other woman out there has ever had the thought cross her mind that her husband doesn't think about her wants or needs, right? Oh, you have? Really? Oh, I'm not alone? Of course I'm not alone because it's not me having these thoughts. It's my ego. And your ego and my ego, they're actually very similar. Our egos want us to be miserable. Suddenly, I catch those thoughts automatically on their way out my mouth. My brain is translating thoughts into words and I can hear myself ready to say, let's not eat here. I've heard it's not that good. Let's go somewhere else. But, and I'm so proud of myself for doing this. I am learning to challenge, to question my thoughts, especially before they become words. So I was in the process of pausing and examining those thoughts a little closer. And all of this is happening in like microseconds as we're pulling into the parking lot. But I'm in the process of challenging the thoughts when my husband says, I looked up gluten-free restaurants and Wallabies came up as one of the most gluten-friendly places. So I thought this would be a good place to come. And I've heard that it's really good. Whoa. There are words on the way out of my throat, ready to say, oh, let's not go here. I don't want to do another barbecue place, blah, blah, blah. And the whole time he had been thinking about me, entirely about me. He had planned, he had taken time to research and I was microseconds away from sabotaging the whole evening. Power, principle, challenge your brain, question your thoughts. Just because a thought comes into your mind that wallabies isn't good, well, who says so? Where did I even hear that? I don't even know where I heard that from. Just because it's a thought in my head does not mean that it's true. And furthermore, it doesn't mean that it's my truth. So the thought that wallabies wasn't good, well, that was wrong because actually wallabies was delicious. Down to the blue cheese dressing on my salad, it was amazing. And just because a thought came into my brain that he's choosing another barbecue place because he's just thinking about him that he never thinks about me, just because that came into my head doesn't mean that it's my thought or that it's true. It was actually a full out lie. He had been thinking about me the entire time. These sabotaging thoughts come from somewhere else. But it's amazing and even sad how often we allow these little thoughts to become words without even questioning them, where they come from, or if they're true, or if I even really believe that. So challenge your thoughts. Just because it's in your brain doesn't mean it's yours. I believe that one of the number one brain lies that we all have in common 
is that we don't deserve to be happy. We aren't worthy. We aren't worthy of a trip to Seattle, or we aren't even worthy for a night out at Wallabies, that we shouldn't be able to enjoy extreme happiness in marriage. And then we allow this brain lie to sabotage the experience so that we aren't happy, that the trip is miserable, and that marriage is hard. Once you stop the brain lies, once you can take the trash out, then you have room in your brain to have a super fun marriage. Now that you understand how to take out the mental trash, how to get rid of the brain lies, we get to spend the rest of the episode having a blast talking about being playful in marriage. Have you given yourself permission to have a playful marriage? This is a real thing. Have you given yourself permission for your marriage to be a source of fun in your life? Here are four ways to give yourself permission to have a blast in your marriage. Number one, give yourself permission to be a fun spouse. Be more lighthearted, not light-minded, but more lighthearted. Lighten up, lower the stakes. Not everything in life is so serious. Who says you have to be serious all the time? So you're the mom. So you're the dad. There will be times you need to discipline, but who says you have to be serious all the time? Who says marriage has to be hard? Who says when you're with your spouse that all you can talk about are your problems? Remember that principle about giving yourself permission to solve problems without a fuss? That was one of the tricks for making life easier. Marriage is the perfect place to apply that principle. Solve your problems quickly in the most simple way possible. Don't worry about the best way or the right way. Just pick a way and get it done so you can move on to the fun stuff. Keep your problems small and your pleasures big. I love the teacher Marilee Boyack, and in the show notes, I will link to some of her books. She talks about being a fun living spouse, and she has a little quiz to test if you have become a boring spouse. And if you're not married, you can think about if you're a fun date or a fun partner, a fun boyfriend or a fun girlfriend. Okay, top 10 ways to know if you're a boring spouse. Number 10, do you buy garbage bags as gifts? Number nine, wives, do you have no other girlfriends except the ladies at church who are kind of obligated to be nice to you? Husbands, do you have no other guy friends outside of the guys at church who are kind of obligated to be your friend? Number eight, is your bathing suit more than 10 years old and the elastic is completely shot? Number seven, do you only say I love you on New Year's Eve? Are you even awake to say I love you on New Year's Eve? Number six, Is your idea of a fun date clipping coupons and cruising the aisles at Walmart? Number five, have you stopped flirting because you already got your man or you already got your lady? Number four, does your spouse get a more enthusiastic welcome home from the family pet? Number three, was your last outing without kids to attend a funeral? Number two, and these are my additions to Marilee's list. Are you listening to this podcast with headphones on in your bed because you don't have anything interesting to discuss with your spouse or because all of your conversations turn into fights? And number one, is the reason you're listening to this podcast because you're hoping to discover things that your spouse should be doing to make your marriage better? Uh Aha, good things to think about, huh? Marilee Boyack says, a fun-loving spouse watches while others have fun. A fun living spouse jumps right into the middle of fun. So principle number one, 
Give yourself permission to be a fun spouse. And how to do that leads us to principle number two, permission to play in your marriage. What are some ways to be fun living? Marriage cannot run without gas. Date nights and fun are the fuel of marriage. As a rule, when you go out on a date night, don't talk about the kids, your current kids or your future kids. Okay, maybe 20% of your conversation can be about your kids, but the point is to have simple fun being around each other without talking about just life stuff. If you feel like you've run out of ideas of things that you like to do together, and it happens to all of us, write down three things that you do only with each other. Write down three things that you would give yourself permission to do, permission to enjoy with your spouse, without kids, without extended family, without other friends. Maybe think about things that you liked to do when you were dating. What connections do you have that have nothing to do with your children? What interests do you share? If you haven't had any common interests in the past, it's okay. You can always start now. Can you gain an interest in something that he or she enjoys? What is something that you would really enjoy doing with your spouse? Most of the time, it's not that we don't have things that we enjoy doing together. It's because we don't give ourselves permission to do those things together. Our self-sabotaging brain will throw up all kinds of excuses. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough time. It's not important. Other things are, are more important. But go back to the umbrella principle. Challenge those thoughts. One, are they true? Two, do you want them to be true? I can let my brain try to tell me that I don't deserve a trip to Seattle or that it's too much money, that we don't have enough money or that I don't have enough time or I should be doing something else. Or I can just go. I can just give myself permission to go. And by the way, Seattle was awesome. I'm so glad I went. I'm like crazy in love with my husband right now. We had some really cool experiences, made some awesome memories, had delicious food, and I'm so glad I did not let my brain sabotage the weekend. So principle two, give yourself permission to play in your marriage. Take responsibility for your own fun. It's not your spouse's job to entertain you or to meet all of your emotional needs. Have fun dreaming together. Talk about wild, crazy things that you would love to do or experience. Dream about your future together. After the kids are gone and you retire, what do you look forward to? What do you want your life to be like? Also, give yourself permission to be physically playful in marriage. And I'm not just talking about that one thing. I'm talking about biking or tennis or working out at the gym together, hiking, boating, skydiving, walking. Walks and talks are so good for marriage. Get yourselves a pair of matching mini trampolines. Physical playfulness is incredibly energizing for marriage. And when all else fails, flirt shamelessly. Principle number three Give yourself permission to see marriage as a perk rather than work. What do you think if you were to ask yourself the question, does my marriage feel like a perk or work? Have I given myself permission to be married and to enjoy the perks of marriage, not just to endure the work of marriage? A few years ago, we went to a life-changing marriage conference and it was the first time in my life I realized that I could give myself permission for my marriage to be a source of energy and strength in my life and a source of enjoyment and fun rather than one more thing on my to-do list. I started giving myself permission to be playful with my spouse and to be more lighthearted. But really the most powerful way that marriage started to become a perk rather than work was by principle number four. 
giving myself permission to receive love. Our brains do this. They cause us to deflect love. It comes back to that number one brain lie that we don't deserve happiness, that we don't deserve love, that we aren't worthy of it, that we haven't earned it. Still to this day, every time I go on a date night with my husband, my brain tries to tell me that I haven't worked hard enough that day to earn an evening out. Ladies, do you know what I'm talking about when I say feeling like you can't have SEX unless the floor is vacuumed? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Feeling like you can't relax and let your hair down and have fun if the house isn't spotless. The same is true for me about gifts. I have a hard time receiving gifts, not just from my husband, but from anybody, in-laws, sisters. Whenever I receive a gift, my brain instantly goes, oh, you don't deserve this. This is too much. You didn't give them anything or you didn't give them anything equivalent of this. And I'm still working all the time to recognize and get rid of that brain lie. That receiving love has nothing to do about worthiness or deserving. I can give myself permission to receive my husband's love because he wants to give it to me. I can give myself permission to be happy and present with my spouse without conditions of if the house is clean or if I've worked hard that day or if I've done anything to earn it. I can give myself permission to receive my husband's love his help, and his friendship. Do you consider your spouse a good friend? Is your relationship with your spouse a good friendship? Is it based on mutual respect, common courtesy, enjoying each other's company, and the giving and receiving exchange that a friendship is supposed to be? It is possible for a couple to be good parents and to not be good spouses. It is possible for a couple to be good active churchgoers and not be good marriage partners. I am beginning to learn, I'm beginning to see that one of the greatest gifts I can offer to the world is a strong marriage. I know that sounds strange because it seems like my marriage is something personal just between my husband and I, but I'm starting to see and to experience how there is a real energy, a real power that comes from a marriage relationship. It makes me more powerful in my endeavors. It makes my husband more powerful in his endeavors. It makes us better able to go out into the world and to give. And I definitely believe that one of the greatest gifts we can give our children is a strong marriage relationship. And as I've started to see my marriage as a source of strength, as a source of power and energy and love, it's changing my mindset from viewing my marriage as work, as one more thing that I've got to get right in my life, that I've got to get done, to seeing my marriage as a great resource, a deep well of strength, help, support, friendship. So what if you're listening and you feel like you don't have that in your marriage, that your marriage isn't a good friendship, that it isn't a source of strength, that your marriage is work, that there's nothing playful in there? I can really relate to that. We've been married 20 plus years now and there has been a lot of water pass under our bridge. My message would be that it doesn't matter how things have been in the past. It is never too late to start now to change your mindset, to change your thoughts, to challenge the things that go on in your brain, and to give yourself permission to be happy in marriage, to be playful in marriage, to give yourself permission to receive love and to allow your marriage to be one of the greatest perks of your life. And maybe that means that you've had to end a marriage or that you need to end a marriage. 
I'm not opposed to ending a bad marriage as long as there's the understanding that a different partner isn't going to change what's going on in your head. 90% of a successful marriage happens at the level of my own thoughts. So if you're feeling that disconnect, if you're feeling that discontent, if you're just feeling like you're rubbing against your spouse and you're just irritating each other, that's good. That's an invitation to examine your thoughts, to stop and look at what's going on in your brain and what's happening with your mindset. What is blocking you from giving yourself permission to have a happy marriage? What is blocking you from giving yourself permission to be playful, to have fun, to receive love, to view your marriage as a perk? As I was scripting this podcast, I was making a practice recording and then having Google Drive translate the recordings. And it translated the question, does my marriage feel like perk or work? To, does my marriage feel like perk or a wart? That's so funny and kind of fitting. Does your marriage feel like a perk or does your marriage feel like that ugly wart on the end of your nose or on your finger that you need to get burned off? Does your marriage feel like the curse or like the blessing? If it feels like the ugly wart, let me ask, is it possible that your brain is telling you that you don't deserve a happy marriage, that you don't deserve a trip to Seattle, that the investment of time, money, and resources into your marriage isn't important enough that it should be used somewhere else? Is it possible that your brain is telling you that your spouse is choosing barbecue again because he's not thinking of you? And is it possible that those things in your brain are lies? What would happen if you start today to give yourself permission to have the marriage that you want, to give yourself permission for marriage to be fun, playful, and a deep source of love, help, and friendship? What would change in your life today if you discovered and applied the power of a playful marriage? And I'm going to end this podcast with a great quotation from Marilee Boyack. Marriage is a teeter-totter. Marriage is a seesaw. The intensity in marriage goes up and down naturally. But when your butt is sitting on the ground, friend, it's time to kick off. The power is in you. You have the power to kick off the ground, to jumpstart the playfulness in your marriage. So have a great week, my friends, giving yourself permission to discover the power of your playful marriage. This is Malia Warner. I'll see you moms at the American Fork Library on Thursday, March 21st. And the rest of you, I'll meet back here next week for another great episode of Power Principles, the podcast.